Friends, welcome back to Nick and Dan's Bible Study Podcast. We are in woo-hoo! our second. Woohoo! We are. Woo-hoo! Our, We're here. <laughs> We're in our second uh, podcast here in the uh, Book of James, Letter of James. We're still in chapter one. We go slow. We're, we're not going verse by verse, but there are some things in this letter that we really want to pick up on. And we had a great discussion last time. Hopefully you agree. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it's a great letter to dig into. And of course, as is our thing all the time, Nick, right? It, it leads us to a million other scriptures and ideas that, that tie together. And for me, as a, as a teacher, if you will, um, I want I really want Nick for people to understand how much Scripture ties together. Yeah, right. How it's how it's a unified story. Now, there's differences, right? Different authors have different perspectives and whatnot. There's different situations, but there's so many connections, Nick, throughout Scripture. There's so many connections to our lives today that I want people to see that, you know. Yeah, Dan, and, and and it is important because there's a lot of themes that um th- that you know even if scripture might not be as um how do I want to say it it's consistent but it may not always seem consistent maybe but there are certain themes right. that go through the Bible that are so incredibly consistent that they become very black and white and you cannot argue with them right um yeah. the lo- love your neighbor kind of perspective there's right. just certain things that um are consistent throughout all of scripture and you got to pay attention to those things you do right? humility I mean, before god that's a that's a big one that is very consistent um what's, what's amazing is that we can still ignore them the consistent I, I, things i'm amazed because they're I'm hard right. you know it's easy and i think the Unfortunately, the kind of history sometimes uh, of the church is that we get caught up in sort of theological discussions that don't really require anything of us in our lives, you know, like these kind of academic discussions. And again, not that they're unimportant or insignificant, but we like to avoid things that challenge us the way that we live. Right. Right. That only challenge us in the mental aspect, but not in the, you know, in the, in the lived out reality of discipleship. I I had a really interesting conversation recently. Um, You know, as, as we're, we're part of a denomination for those of you that are listening, we're, you know, we're part of the Eastern region conference churches of God. And part of our responsibility is to give credentials to pastors. Right. And so there's a process that goes along with that. And there are some pretty heavy theological, deep theological issues that go into that, 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 um, that credentialing process. Right. Um, and, and there's education and training and knowledge and all kinds of things that people have to stand. But what the conversation revolved around this, like all of that theological discussion that has emerged over the last 2000 years, right. At the heart of it is what Christ taught his disciples. And that is what is the mission of the gathering? What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to be a witness for Jesus Christ and to raise up disciples in his name, right? That's our mission. So we can talk about all that deep theological stuff, but at the end of the day, if we're not raising up disciples, if our churches aren't producing mature Christians, uh, disciples of Jesus, then you can know all the theology in the world, but we're not doing the job that we were given by Christ, right? Yeah. And and so, and, and again, when we turn to the book of James, it's really that action of, I don't, I hate to say it this way and please hear it the way, you know, I always say, I don't care what you know, I care how you live. Right. And and you have to know in order to live appropriately, but you can also know and not live it out. And, and so, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that call themselves, uh, you know, that, that claim Jesus as Lord. Right. Yeah. 
but they don't do what he says. Right. So yeah, that's I a think, problem. Yeah, one of the one of the most help, one of the most simple 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 but helpful things that I've taken a, recently. I think it comes from Dallas Willard, but I'm not sure exactly. I know he talks about it, but the idea the that what you do is actually what you believe. Right. What you what you say you believe means very little. Right. What you do is actually what you believe. So if My you, say, if you that- say you love other people, but you mistreat them, you don't. That brings us around to what James has to say, I believe. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, a lot of what James and I was thinking, Nick, as you were talking about people in this credentialing process, um, uh, what if we asked them uh, about this particular scripture that we're about to start with today? Um, and it comes in uh, James chapter one, verse nineteen. He says, "Know this, my beloved brothers: let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak." And slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Ooh, preach it, preach it. So what if? So so what if we? um, What if we met with people that are elder candidates, uh, credentialing candidates, just Christians in general, and ask them? um, So are you slow to speak? Are you quick to listen? Are you slow to speak? Are you slow to become angry? And, you know, based on interact, you know, if I was to ask your spouse, what would they say? Right. If I was to ask your kids, what would they say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're, you know, this is, this is the one of the, the, the importance. And, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to jump, I'm going to read. I never read, but I'm going to read because okay. I actually underlined this as I was doing the research too. Yep. I'm jumping down to 26 and we're going to come okay. back to other stuff. But okay. if anyone thinks his religious, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Ooh, ow, ow. Wow. You mean my opinions that I love to share and spread with anger and hostility need to be quelled? Yes. Yes. Read this book, Right, <laughs> the book of James, right? Yeah. It's, it, because it's, it's, it's about humility before God. Well, we, let's get right into this. We talked um, in our last episode, some was we were looking at James and this idea that I, I think is so significant. I've been reading more about it whenever this idea of, of wholeheartedness, right? Of the maturity it's translated maturity or perfection or whatever the Greek word teleos, this wholehearted, right? Devotion to God. And there's, there's things that the biblical authors point out. And sometimes we need to re- point out to each other, maybe right. Lovingly. Um, to correct each other, but there's things that we're doing. We don't always realize it, Nick, right. but that we're, that we're not wholehearted in our devotion to Christ. And so James is pointing some of those things out, right? He's saying you, you identify as a disciple of Jesus, but I'm seeing these things and they don't connect. And so he's, he's rather boldly calling them out. And I think, you know, Nick, because James is so bold, Mm. he's a good example of how, and other biblical authors are as well too, but a good example for us of how to be bold, but not step outside of the fruit of the spirit, right? Right. Not step outside of God's will, because it's possible to do that. We're not talking about all sunshine and rainbows here. Right, we're talking about hard stuff. Like Paul says that in in his process of maturity, there's admonishment and correction. Right, so it's not just all niceties, but yet 
there ought to be a pervasiveness of kindness, of a desire for the person's good, not a slander, not an anger uh, that that's not honoring to God. And I feel like we see that way too often. That 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 does show up. And James is saying here, uh, to use the southern phrase, that dog don't hunt. Right. Right. They, that doesn't work. That doesn't yeah. work for Jesus. Jesus is like, eh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's really rough because scripture in a lot of ways does speak directly to this and it is black and white. So how certain people can just ignore it and, and drive on. Um, and I get like, you know, there's a difference. We, we talk about this a lot too. And again, we, the people listening to our podcast, those of you out there listening right now, we don't know whether you've been a Christian for 30 years. We don't know if you're new to Christianity. We don't know if, if you're just now seeking and you're listening to these two crazy guys on the, on this uh, podcast, talk about these things and you're, you're wondering about what they're talking about. Um, but the point of the matter is there's, there's like for that, anybody who's, who's educated knows there are black and white issues. There are ways to treat other human beings. Um, and it's demanded in scripture. Um, there are scriptures very clear about the type of worship that God expects of us. Right. And so, you know, oftentimes I'll raise the issue that our Sunday morning form of worship in America is a cultural model of a form of worship. It is not the definition of worship that God calls for, right? Scripture would tell you that he's more concerned about the whole seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly kind of thing. And, and so, um, everything that we do, in our culture, when we gather on Sunday mornings, when we get together as the gathering, um, when we live out our faith in song and, and in, in scripture and in conversation and in prayer, all of those things have to point back to what scripture demands of us. So it's got to point back to that seek justice, love mercy. In some way, it's got to facilitate because that's where the maturity comes from. Yeah, well, um, that's what, that's what, that's what we're told in the New Testament is the purpose of the gathering, the ecclesia, the assembly of the people is to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Right. Right. So right. that's why we come together to encourage, to inspire, to help us go back out, if you will, and continue to do those, those things of discipleship that God wants for us to live out. That is exactly it. And that's why as Christians, we all individually have an obligation to the gathering to make sure that we continually talk about the things that are important to God, right? Not important to man because, because a man or a woman could come in and, and take a leadership role in the church and lead us a lot of different directions. Right. Right. But it's the gathering, the gathering, the maturity, um, how we live out crisis, how we live out challenges and, and you know, how we grow in our own personal faith is what will empower us to make sure that the church never gets corrupt by people who aren't focused on God's requirements you know, they start to become focused on their own human agenda. And again, I'm jumping way ahead now in James, but that James covers all of that, but yeah. that's why it's so important to know this book, like, and to know, yeah. to know scripture, because it teaches us, it's not about how your culture told you to live. Yeah. It's about how God teaches you to live and through you know, his word. It's, it's interesting that he, um, he talks about, um, uh, teachers, you know, and sh let's let's just flip this because it ties right into what sure. we're talking about here. As we've been talking about the time, but but flip over to James chapter three if you're reading along, folks. Um, and this is something that interests me, Nick, because in a couple different ways. But we'll talk about both of those here. We I think we have enough time to do that. Um, he says, "Not many of you should become teachers, 
for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Um, one one thing that's interesting, Nick, is are there were there people in these churches that were the teachers that were missing all these things that James is talking about? Like what was what was going on in the teaching in these churches that James has to write this letter mm. to correct them? Right. That's that's what the elders, if you will, the teaching in the church should be doing already. And so when you, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't even be this letter shouldn't have been necessary even. Right. Right. If the teaching, if the, if the eldership, the keeping the church where they were supposed to be was, was happening. Um, but so often, you know, we can, we can drift and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to cause offense. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to tell anybody that what they're doing is wrong, you know, and that kind of right. stuff. And so, especially when they're people that we're friends with, um, it's tough, right? Uh, it can be challenging. And so, uh, but anyway, check this, check out this connection, Nick, because if I'm honest, the only time I've ever heard this passage mentioned this teach this thing here not many of you should become teachers because teachers will be judged with greater strictness i've only ever heard it as a bit in isolation like just a general comment made about teachers being held more strictly but look at the very next thing that james says and so here's the question is this a contextual tie or is this just a it just or did he just randomly drop this thing about teachers in the middle of this book because it just came into his mind? Because he says the next very next thing, we all stumble in many ways. Uh, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Again, the same word, Nick, teleos, mature, complete, uh, able to bridle his whole body. And he's what he's talking about here right, is the, uh, is the taming of the tongue, right, our words, <laughs> the way that yeah. we talk. So here's the question, Nick, is, is, is James concerned about the speech of some of those who are teachers in these yeah, churches? Is absolutely. Is it not just that the teachers aren't calling out these issues, but is it, it they themselves are not living up to the standard? Yeah, and, and absolutely. And he talks about how how difficult it is to control the tongue, but yet the tongue, you know, he compares it to the rudder on a big ship or, you know, um, right. the bridle in the horse's mouth. Like the tongue really does expose who you are and what you believe. It exposes your maturity level. Um, you know, and 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 I, we've all come in contact with those people that are are uh, in teaching authority, and and I, I can remember specifically one person saying, you know, I came in contact with a brother the other day who had the greatest of intent, but they disagreed with me, and then we go on to like destroy this other person by saying how naive and and they just not well trained or whatever because they disagree, and it's like, again, could you just spend a little spend a little bit of time in this book, right? Um, right we got to treat people respectfully, uh, you know, and yeah. teachers are held to a higher level, man. If you're, I've said this many times throughout the weeks, if you're teaching something and you are not living by it, there's a word for that hypocrisy, yeah. right? And it, you're not going to hide your hypocrisy. Everybody's going to see it and know it. Yeah. Right. But God's also going to see it and know it. Yeah. So, just be careful. Um, whenever I'm asked to pray for teachers, like if I, in my official role, if I'm at a church and they say, Hey, could you pray for our, our teachers or whatever? 
I, I always say, you know, when I'm praying, I'll say, before I pray, I want you all to, to, uh, to, to go home and read the book of James for me one more time, because my prayer is going to come out of that book. And then I'll proceed to pray about a lot of the things that are outlined in this, in this book yeah, for them, because it's a challenge, man. There's, this is a clash. Our faith is constantly going to clash against our flesh. And when you step into the role of a teacher, you better know that that bridle is expected of you, right? Yeah. And that's not to say the perfection. We all know that we're not perfect, but it is expected that you're going to do the best you can to live this out. But he does say that you're supposed to be mature. So he's, right. I mean, ESV says perfect, Nick. <laughs> right. And I got, I got gotcha. you. I, yeah, I, gotcha. I, think, I think mature is probably a better word again, or, or, or wholehearted this or, or, you know, fully devoted to God. But obviously, you know, this issue of speech is a big issue. Yes, it is. And this is one of the ones that we like to kind of avoid and say, well, but they deserve it because, you know, da, 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 or they're so wrong that, you know, da, da, da. Um, you know, and, and James is so bold with this. He go, I mean, he goes on with it, Nick. And I think it's because it's like, he, it's like, he knows that we're going to try to wriggle out of it. Like we're going to try to get out of this and just say, Oh, well, it's just a verse and it's not, you know, it's not a theme or whatever. Well, Dan, uh, we need to be bold with it too. Yeah. I, I think do. I honestly believe that the church has not been bold enough with this. Yeah. Like we to do. call people out when they're, when they are living a life of hypocrisy and hypocrisy is, when we focus our attention in the church to things that we are specifically called not to. Right. So I, I think, you know, there's a, um, and even when we, you know, we so easily, whether it be theologically or politically or whatever, otherwise we so easily move from making statements about why we disagree with an ideology or a theology or a me method or a politic or whatever. We so easily move from that into just demeaning the person. Right. And it's it, it as James says, it ought not to be so. Right. Um, and and we aren't even fair to the ideas a lot of times. I, I was I was reading something recently that it's it's it kind of inspired me, uh, but tends to be how I try to think anyway. And he said one of the best things I learned from one of my seminary professors is that before you disagree with an idea, you should be able to state that idea in such a way that the person would say that you disagree with would say, yes, that's what I believe. Yes. Right. And then you would disagree with them, but we don't do that. We never, almost never do that. We can just, I read something? Yeah, go ahead. Can, can I read something? Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow, <laughs> to, speak, slow to anger for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. I don't know. I think I've, I've heard that recently, but I just right. wanted to read it again in that moment. <laughs> so it's like, what is it, what does it mean to be, you know, to be quick to listen? Right. I think it's, it, Capture that idea of you're, you're trying to first understand where someone's coming from. Right. Right. You're trying to truly understand because we don't, sometimes we, we listen just to disagree. Like, would you just shut up so I can disagree with you? You know, it's like to, you know, try to understand where someone's coming from and it, it makes for such a better disagreement. And, and it's, it, you're right. It does. But even think about this from the heart perspective too, especially in the church among believers, Right not secular to church, but like literally when we're in, in the gathering and, and we're among believers, when somebody says something, how often do we jump to the conclusion that they're wrong and that their heart is misaligned, right? We actually make a judgment call that their heart is not right with God before we actually understand, like, 
a lot of times what we should be doing is assuming that their heart is right for God, with God, they're coming up with a different position. So now let's test that out. Let's talk about it. What right. led you to believe what you've just said? Yeah. Right. Not, right. not that you're a fool, not that you're immature, not that. No. Yeah. Okay. I know you, you're my brother or you're my sister. Right. But you said this thing that really troubles me. Let's, yeah. let's, I want to understand. Right. Yeah. And with the reality that a lot of us were just taught things or we figured things that aren't right. And so instead of assuming a bad heart, maybe it's better to assume maybe a wrong belief or not even necessarily that it's wrong. Maybe we're the one that's wrong. Maybe we've not understood. Yeah, absolutely. And we're the one that needs to grow. But anyway, I I do think that that's part of this slow to uh, slow to speak, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's one of those things that ties into God's very heart. We, that's what we're told about God, that God is full of compassion. He's slow to anger and abounding in love, right? And that we as his disciples, as his ambassadors, as his representatives, we should be the same because if we're saying, hey, I follow God and we're quick to become angry, right? And, and we don't care to listen and we just want to make ourselves heard. We're not, we're not honoring the name. We're, we're not honoring the name of God very well, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, we're uh, representing the kingdom, but we're not doing it well. Yeah. And instead people should be saying, even if they don't agree with us, they should be saying how thoughtful we are, right? And kind we are and everything else. If I can go on and read too, you know, I started up verse 26. I'm going to go on to 27 um, and and I'm going to try to tie that to maybe some of the current events. So, you know, it started out, I'm going to go back to 26 again. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Oh, that's right? one. So he's being very clear about what God requires or expects of us in terms of our worship, in terms of our discipleship and faithfulness and obedience. So now turn that, Dan, for a moment. How have we done as the, the church in America during this season of riots, right? Has, has our first emotion been to attack lawless people or as our first, and I mean, when I say that, I say maybe with some unkind words, right? Cause a lot of people really just lashed out yeah. or was it to look at it and say, again, why would anybody do that? Like yeah, what's, going how, on? what's, what's really going on here? Yeah. Like why would anybody do that thing that I, I believe to be a foolish act? Why would anybody do that? Like, I need to understand that. Right. I think a lot of people were really quick to judgment, really quick to, you know, take positions that weren't in defense of the orphans and the widows, if you will, the marginalized. Um, And I know that's a very complicated thing. Like some, you know, that is very complicated. Like how do we serve the poor? How do we serve the impoverished? Yeah. Um, What happens when the poor are taken advantage of with people by, with a political agenda, right? Because that does complicate things. If, if there were outside protesters coming in to stir the pot, okay, that, but that doesn't take away from our responsibility to care for the people who are marginalized and poor and impoverished. And, you know, yeah. So the question becomes, where's your heart? Was your heart first to jump into this discussion about, um, or, or to judge the people that were setting the fires and, and, and looting, or was it to say, wow, something really bad's happening here. God, where does my heart need to be? Where, where are you calling me to consider what's going on right now? You know, yeah. the politician's going to go one place, the, 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 you know, whatever it might be, 
depending on your profession, maybe a nurse or a doctor goes another place. Where are we supposed to go as Christians? Where would this scripture and other scripture lead us to go as Christians as yeah. we see the world starting to burn down around us? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it is in here, you know, yeah. um, the, the quick to hear, I think is, is like we've been talking about, like trying to understand now, look, when people are hurting other people, it's not gonna, that understanding isn't going to mean, oh, okay, then yeah, go ahead and just do that. Like it's not, that's not where it's going to go. Right. But, but the point is that in understanding you have an, you have a, a, a sense of empathy and you say, I, I, okay, I, I understand where you're coming from, but please don't do that. Like, let's, let's talk, let's, let's talk, let's, let's do something different, but let's not do it that way. Well, yeah. You know? and, and, and again, remember what we're doing here as Christian community, right? We're the aliens in a, living in a secular world. We're kingdom people living in a secular world, right? So the other piece of this is you're not asking the question to find out what they should do. You're asking the question to find out what I should do. Right. Yeah. You know, let's assume for a moment, these are godless people. And, I, and I'm assuming that I'm not judging them. I'm simply saying, let's assume for a moment that they're not people of the word and they're not people of Christ and whatever. So we, they're going to go do whatever it is that, that the human flesh leads them to do. Okay. I can't control that. But what I can do is say, what am I supposed to do in this moment? How yeah. am I supposed to evangelize minister to the people around me? You know, I'm not living in the cities that are, this is happening. If I was living in those cities, it may be a more direct relationship. I may go right. down there, right? Yeah. I may be the evangelist that goes into that, that hot spot to actually forge relationships with human beings. But even if I'm not close to Portland or, or any of the cities where this is taking place, Minneapolis, whatever, man, there are people all around me who are struggling to understand what's going on who are struggling to understand what their role is, what they should be praying, what they should be doing. Those are the people I need to say, God, how do you want me to minister to them? Right. Right. How do you want me to help them get through these trials so that they mature in their faith and the whole self-destruction, like, you know, falling apart into judgment, falling apart into, you know, human response of anger. And you know, that ain't it. Right. That's just not it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And it's not, you know, anger is a difficult topic, Nick, you know, to, to get our uh -huh. hands around biblically. And it's not that there's not ever a place for anger, but it's that we let, you know, there's much more said about the problems with anger in Scripture than there is with the, you're not angry enough, you know, right. kind of thing. Because when we, we, we are, we do become, we become quick to anger. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, you know, and we, we get angry about some things that aren't that really that important. We get angry about, you know, but we get, we're, we are, we're oftentimes quick to anger. And, um, really the only things that should be as, as disciples, the only things that should really be angering us are the things that really are affront to God. Right. Right. Like we get, we get so, we get so upset also at, you know, people that aren't God's people doing stuff where James seems more concerned about God's people that are, that are messed up, right. Than about the world being messed up. And that's sometimes, you Bam. know, a big part of the issue. Bam. You just nailed yeah. it, brother. You know, what we should be concerned about aren't the people outside of the gathering. What we should be concerned about is the maturity and health of the people inside the gathering right. because until we get that right 
you know, all we can do then is, is we can evangelize, but it's filled with hypocrisy. If we get it right now, we can go and bring the gospel to others with an, with integrity. And that's what we need to be striving for greater integrity in the, in the gathering. And that's why, like, even when you look, you know, when you look back next through the old Testament, what gets, what gets God the most upset? It's when his people go awry. He's not as upset about other nations, although I mean, certainly God cares about everybody and everything. But it's the things that really makes God burn is when His people, because He says He has a purpose for us, Nick, from Old Testament Israel to the New Testament Church. His right. purpose is for us to show His goodness into the world that they may see Him and worship Him also. But when we jack that up, when people look at us and they say, "Well, you're just as angry as everybody else," right? Like, yeah, like this is messed up and that's messed up. But the church is just as messed up. So why in the world would we want to be like you? Yeah, seriously. And God hey, is by like, the way, oh no, the, the chaos is blowing, and 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 your your light is starting to flicker. You might want to work on yeah. that, right? Well, that's the steadfastness. That's back to the back to our last episode, right, Nick? Where he's saying that these trials and troubles are intended to make us steadfast. That when when whatever things come up, that not only our brothers and sisters, but our neighbors and our world could look at the church and say, wow, there's a people that are steadfast. Like they're loving in the midst of craziness, right? right? They're, they're, they're rooted in something else, but instead we blow with the winds the same as everybody else. And right. it's, it's tragic, Nick, for the, for the church, because we're so far off our game and our witness is so convoluted that, I, I don't I don't even know what even words to put put it to you know. Well, Dan, the irony is that that, and, and I think we we talked about this maybe two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. I don't remember. You know, the irony is that where we are most powerful and most bold in changing things is when we truly abide by Scripture, when we live right. within Christ's teachings, when we do what God tells us to do, which in faith for face value seems to be meek, meekness, you know, mild, um, humility. And, and, but then you get those people in the church that basically say that won't work. They'll, we'll get walked all over. Where is your belief? Where is right. your faith? Where is your understanding that there is a Holy spirit alive and well in every, you know, it, 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 I was just saying every human being, sorry about that. Um, but there's a Holy spirit alive and well in the church and the people there there's power, the same power of the Acts church that changed the entire Roman empire. That power still exists today, but the only way we access it is when we come across with the humility that Christ taught, right? It's not with the sword. Yeah. So when we get these bold people out there with their sharp tongues, wanting to pick up the sword, the zealots, the ones that want to go fight, they've lost their faith. They've lost their understanding of the gospel. And, yeah. and you know, the bottom line is again, that's one of those black and white things. He's not asking you to pick up a sword. Yeah. He's asking you to be a witness to show a different way. Yeah. Or he's if, asking you to be a light in the darkness. Um, right. or, for, you know, or, for, or for some of us, we think, oh, the, the only way we can win is if we get these politicians in office. Right. The, the only true. way we can win is if we get these judges. It's just like, that's not the kingdom. No, like, that's not. Like, I, want, I want good representatives. I want good judges. But um, if you're if your hope relies on that and if and if you feel like if the wrong person gets elected we're screwed 
what foundation is that built on? Yeah, right. That's that is not a foundation of Jesus. I mean, I'm going to want to call people out if they start talking like that. If this person is elected, we're all screwed. Right. I mean, give me a break. What kind of kingdom is that about? And and that's a complete misunderstanding, like of of not only of scripture, of tradition. That's like a misunderstanding of scripture, tradition of everything. I mean, if anything, all of of all of history has taught us that that doesn't work. That that didn't work in the Old Testament. That doesn't work in the New Testament. It didn't work in the Crusades. It didn't it, it, work. Yeah, it doesn't. It, right. It is a failed policy, one hundred percent failure. Right. Yeah. Men working on human interests, on human desires, on human will, on human whatever, it will fail, right? So we, we've seen some some people who I actually look at and go, because their voice is so loud, screaming about how we have to pick up the sword and fight, I look at those, and these are supposedly Christians and, and maybe even some ordained Christians, and I look at them and I go, man, what is your hurt? Mm. What is it? What is it that is so deeply bitten into your system that you've lost the heart of Jesus, though you proclaim, proclaim his name, right? What is it that hurt you so badly that you're willing to stand up and basically blaspheme, go against the scripture at least. I mean, and, and preach a message that is so foreign to what this book says, what these words in the scripture say to what Christ taught. Right. Yeah. And again, anybody who thinks that, that, um, Doing it Christ's way is taking a weak stand. I mean, truly doesn't know the scriptures. They truly don't understand what's happened in the history of the world. They they don't yeah. get it. Um, and, so, and, and, and Christianity did change the world. I mean, so yes. much of the world, but it was through a particular, you know, it was a particular way. It was the steadfastness through the trials and troubles. It was when... Uh, you know, diseases and epidemics happened in the Roman world and the Christians didn't retreat. They went and cared for people. And then people, people saw, Hey, my, you know, it makes me emotional to think about it, but you know, people that don't believe in Jesus, they ran for themselves to hide, to pre preserve themselves. And these Christians that disagree with us, they think that we're idolaters, but they loved us enough to care for us. All of a sudden they're thinking, well, maybe, I, maybe I ought to think differently. Yeah. You know? But that witness, where's that witness? You know, and, and that's uh, it, it. I mean, it's it's there, but the pro I mean, I guess part of the problem is maybe the people that do that aren't aren't loud enough. You know, it's the it's the people that are that are that are yelling that take a different stand. And well, you know, to be fair, some are doing both at the same time. But it's you know. Well, Dan, the other piece of it is that there's no question that when when somebody wants to make a fool of themselves, the media is very happy to stand there and turn the cameras on and let them do it, right? Right. Cause it makes for good headlines. Exactly. So, yeah. so for those people out there that spend all their time filling their heads with, with, uh, what's being put on the news or what's in the newspaper or, you know, their source of discipleship comes from secular sources, man, those that live outside of scripture in the kingdom, or, you know, we can argue that, but those who claim to be followers of Jesus, who are living like the rest of the world and end up being the ones that are being reported on. That's exactly what scripture is talking about, because now you are proclaiming Christ and telling the world that you're no different than anybody else. Right. Well, yeah, that's going to set the cause back. Yeah. But if you'd really come in line and start living the light, if you'd really come in line and start living as Jesus taught to live, taught us to live. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, all those stories go away because nobody's being 
you know, nobody's being the hypocrite. Nobody's being the, you right. know, whatever. Um, we're doing what we said we were supposed to do. And yeah. now, now there will be a change in the world because we're investing in people. We're investing in discipleship. We're doing all the things that we're called to do to raise up men and women of character. That's what right. matters. Yes. It's not, it's not the false. Let's get involved in the political system. That's a sure death, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's how do we build character in people? How do we, how do we restore the, the um, value of human life in America? Cause right now it, it doesn't have much value. I mean, just yeah. look at the murder rates every day. Look at the abortion rates every day. Look at, right. you know, um, right. So many of our policies and what we're willing to do. Uh, yeah. We don't help impoverished people. We lock them in chains and keep them in poverty. Uh, it's just a lot of stuff that we should be trafficking. All those things that happen in our daily basis. Those are worthy of us talking about those. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, and, and God has a way that he works. He works when we come, when we come in and we are a faithful presence. I mean, we're not to withdraw from public life. Right. We're, we're to be right in the midst of everything that every occupation he's called us to do, but we're intended to come. We don't compromise any of, any of this, teaching of James. We come into those places, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Yeah. And, and then, you know, what happens is sometimes we're able to speak because we build relationship and we come in with a sense of, of peace and love and people all of a sudden are a little bit more caring about what we have to say, right? you know, because it's with his way, but there's no, there's no reason to compromise. And I think that that's the, that's one of the the challenges that we face always is this temptation to compromise, you know, to compromise, to get something done. You know, there's, there's never, I mean, we just need to stand as the people who, who say we're gonna, um, you know, there's certain things that we're just not gonna yield on. Yeah. And and I'm going to make a bold statement too. Just, I don't know if it's kind of in what I've been saying, you know, there is, absolutely no room for racism in the Christian church. Now, again, should be fairly obvious. I would think it it should be fairly obvious, but there are a lot of people that are, you know, their first go-to is defensive posture. Their first go-to is, you know, why is everyone picking on white people? There's their first go-to. Like there's all these different go-tos when our very first go-to is the church should be. Yes. We acknowledge there is a problem of race in this country. What can we do to alleviate that problem? And that's a very complicated issue. I know that I'm not saying that's when we, we turn overnight, but what we, the church need to stop doing is being defensive about a whole bunch of issues and start, just simply saying at a foundational level, there's no place for racism in Christ church. Yeah. Well, that, that ought to be obvious. And, and I think too, into the defensiveness aspect, if we apply this, um, this teaching from James here to be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, even if we're, even if there's an aspect of it, because it's, there's so many nuances and facets and things that are, we're going to agree with and parts we're not going to agree, you know, we're both sides, but what we should be, instead of being defensive about things, we should, our response should be help me. I I'm not, you know, that's not what I, how I've tended to think about it. Can you help me right. understand where you're coming from? Can you help me understand what I'm missing? Because I don't see it. And then we begin a conversation right? Where hopefully a person feels honored in that conversation. But instead we, again, we kind of fall into these 
sides of things. Um, and we don't get anywhere. We don't get anywhere good because yeah. in, in that defensiveness, you know. And and if we go back to our roots of John Weinbrenner and how he was um, such an abolitionist and so involved in the uh, anti-slavery movement, right? You know, I'll make the comment that we, as a denomination, even certainly the church, but we as a denomination, when all of this this um, recent actions happened when the racism sort of reared its head again not that it's new it's certainly not but when it when it reared its head again we as the eastern region of the churches of god and more broadly the general conference of the churches of god we should have immediately come together and start talking about how can we be a voice of reason in this discussion how can we help advance the end of racism in america what steps can we take to do our part and I'm yeah. not so sure we did that. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of people got into that whole debate, you know, over um, the politics of Black Lives Matter and, and you know, a whole lot of different issues. But it really, that's the practical side of this passage, right? Of that listen first, understand first, you know, try to have empathy and 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 gain an understanding of what are the real problems before you start judging what's happening, the response you know, yeah. we, we all know the riots, the burning, the, 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 um, lo- or not loitering, but the looting, uh, we know that was wrong. Okay. Right. That that's a given. It was wrong. No problem. Right. What's more important though, is how do we get it right? And too many people are living in a place of judgment where all they want to talk about is how they got it wrong, but we haven't moved as a body, as a gathering to the place where we're saying, but all that really matters to us is that we get it right. So how do we do that? Yeah. Right. How do we live into James? How do we listen? How do we, how do we act with godly wisdom? How do we fulfill again, the religion that is pure and undefiled before God? Yeah. How do we do that? Many of us don't know, right? We don't know. We want to learn. We want to get there. We don't know. Well, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's go from this place in America where, you know, if two people are talking in all likelihood, what they're talking about is they're talking through one and over other to deliver their platforms. Let's get to that place where we're actually talking to solve a problem, right? We're talking to love our neighbor. We're talking to do what God calls us to because it's a major issue. This is a major issue for the church. Yeah. We've not been, I would, I would argue we're blowing it. Yeah. Well, we've not been very grounded. I think that's what we're showing. We're sh- what's showing up, you know, is our lack of groundedness, and/or sometimes people more, more honestly committed to a side of an issue than to trying to approach it how Jesus would, you know, or how our discipleship would would enable us to do it. Or that's a oh, that's a liberal talking point. Oh, that's a conservative talking point. Right. That's a whatever. Well, whatever to all of that. Who cares? You know, what's what God's our, what's God's position? Right. What's what does God feel about that? So you know what what does God say to us through Scripture and through His Son Jesus Christ? What does God say about that? Because yeah. that's the only thing that matters. You know, our human opinion is irrelevant. You know, that's what that that's what has to be set aside. What matters to us, or what should matter to us as the church? What would what does God lead us to? What does Scripture lead us to? Because yeah. because it's certainly not a divided racist state. It's not that. Yeah. Yep, lots of good stuff. Um, for our folks, 
Um, let me just conclude with this uh, with this verse because it's been on my mind here as we've been talking. It's um, in chapter three, verse nine. He's talking about the about the tongue here, about our speech, about the uh, about the gap sometimes in this. And he says about the tongue how we speak. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Mm. The same mouth. We can we can praise God, right? We can sing praise songs, and then we can go and curse people who are made. In, this is everybody, Nick. This isn't just the brothers and sisters. He's who are made in the likeness of God. That's every single person. Exactly. Right. It's not given us to curse people, and um, sometimes what we do kind of borders pretty well on that. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Um, there's a lack of integrity, right? That's what James, what Jesus, what God calls us to, this wholeness, this integrity, this maturity, this wholeheartedness that we would reflect his character, his way, his love into the world. Because Nick, people can't see God. People can't see God, but he sent us, right, to be the body of Christ, Right. To collectively be a, a, a pointer towards him, to, towards his goodness. That's why James is saying, like, if you get this wrong, people are going to misunderstand. People are going to miss out on understanding who God is if we don't get some of these things right or a lot or a lot better than we have. So yeah. a lot of challenges, yeah, Dan, here, guys. And, and Dan, it, it, I mean, it really does speak to it. You know, when people say about how why is the Christian church in America shrinking? It's not because of persecution. It's not because of government policy. Church of God in America is speaking or shrinking because we lost the integrity to the word. Mm. We stopped preaching a true, pure gospel. We Americanized the message and we got to stop that. And, and a lot of stuff's going on uh, now. Studies and anecdotal stuff and coming out where, you know, we're so concerned about losing the next generation, which we are. Right. You know, we're losing the young generation. So we're talking about how do we get a better style and better music and this and that. And what's coming back consistently is they don't care. It's not about the music. That's not it. They People see this hypocrisy. You know, Nick, um, things that are obvious to people that don't know Christ about being kind to other people and we're not doing it. And they're like, yeah, we want to be a part of that. Right. Like there's things that certain people in the world get better than sometimes we do. And you know, they show that we don't care about this. We're more concerned about, you know, whatever else than actual people that are hurting uh, around us. And the rhetoric, Dan. We're more concerned about the rhetoric. We're more concerned about the the debate and the fight and the words, right? Than we are about the people. Yeah. You know, we've lost the heart of the gospel in the way we present the gospel. We've lost integrity. We've lost our first love. Yeah. We've lost the heart of Jesus in a lot of ways. And again, I, I got to be careful because that sounded like a real huge blanket statement, but right. the, the wave, the overwhelming wave is going that way. We've lost the first love. We've lost the heart of Jesus. Um, we've, we've weaponized the gospel. Yeah. And, and, and it loses all its integrity when you do that. Let me just say this to close as a, as a hopeful word that all of these letters are written Right, James, all Paul's letters, the, the letters in Revelation that Jesus spoke to, through John were all given because he believed that they could and perhaps even would 
turn around these problems. Right. Nick. So you and I aren't having this discussion just to put nails on a coffin. It's because we believe that, you know, the Holy spirit is real, that God's word is living and active and, and that he's able to accomplish everything that he wants in his people because he who began a good work will bring it to completion and all that stuff. Right. Absolutely. He's able to do that and he's going to do that, but he's just, again, I've said this a lot, but it's kind of my refrain. Stop fighting against Jesus. <laughs> and right? don't think you can do it better. But you you know, can't. Um, right. it's, he's not given up on us. We've not given up on us. Right. Um, but it's just the James is saying like, don't drag out the fight. Just start doing it his way. As I've said, uh, another guy, Neil Cole says, listen to Jesus and do what he says. It's not complicated. Exactly. It just involves putting aside our pride and our self-will and our desire to be right. Yeah, and in a passionate way too, for those of us who so desperately want to be in God's presence, for those of us who have been blessed with an understanding of how valuable that that you know pearl of great value is, we want that for you too. Like we right. desperately want that for you. I don't want the the um the Americanized gospel to stand between you and a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want a false teacher to stand between you and presence with you know God the Father. I you know Dan and I so desperately want to get this message right, um, regardless of the past hurts in your life, regardless of how maybe a church has left you down in the past, whatever it might be. This stuff is so important. And, and it's so important that we've got to be honest in the conversation. It's not about who's right and wrong. It's about ultimately us all getting it right so that we can all be together in God's presence so that we can know Jesus Christ so that healing can take place so that hurts can be healed. Um, it can all happen, yeah. but you know, we've got to be, we've got to preach with integrity. We have got to live with integrity yeah. in order for the power to be seen. For sure. All right, folks, another long one today. That's just kind of the way that it's been. We do much, do much talkie, but we love you guys. Hopefully something here uh, stimulated your thinking today and uh, join us on Tuesday. Continue to challenge us and we'll interact together as we grow um, towards what Jesus has for us. There you go. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate right. it. And thanks everybody for joining us. All right. Catch you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye.